You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am very fortunate to sit down today with Mr. Sean Garner. Sean Garner is a personal trainer, dad, husband, uh, guru to the kids at Anatomy at 1220 and all over the world. He is an incredible personal trainer. He's a hardworking individual, and we're very lucky to have him at Anatomy at 1220 and on the Magna Method Podcast today. Welcome to the Sean Show. I am so Welcome excited to, to the be Sean here. show. <laughs> it, might, wow. it might be. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Ooh, it is early. We're just trying to get our uh, wits about ourselves this morning. It's 5 a.m. inside Anatomy at 1220. I've already had my first client of the day, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I am on the back nine of training one individual who I've trained for the last eight years through Ramadan. Ramadan is fasting uh, for the Muslim religion where they do not eat or drink water during the day from sunup to sundown. I train him in the morning. I train him in the evening. That means I rise at 3 a.m. and I train him at 4 a.m. And I train him again at 9 p.m. That means very little sleep, long hours, but I'm blessed to do it. I'm fortunate to be here. I'm looking forward to chatting it up with Sean this morning. Sean, good morning. Good morning. People that don't know Sean, Sean um, wasn't necessarily recruited to come to Anatomy at 1220, but he messaged me over and over and over again and insisted on being interviewed, and I interviewed him and brought him in, and he's been a a pleasant surprise, a hardworking, important part of our team. Uh, We have a very special team here. We have a lot of wonderful people on our team, but... Sean is known to the community at Anatomy 1220 and to his teammates as Mr. Happy, and he's very positive, enthusiastic, and you are in for it, let me tell you. (laughs) I I said, so whenever I was talking to you yesterday, I said the goal of this is going to be, we're going to laugh, probably going to get emotional, we're going to cry, and it's going to be the best episode ever, so I'm excited. I laugh and cry every morning at 3 a.m. pretty much. Not because I don't love my job, but because I do miss a little bit of sleep. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to get into Sean's past and a little bit of his history and try to learn something about before he arrived, him before he arrived in Miami Beach and, uh, and became a part of the Anatomy at 1220 community. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about where you're from and your start in the fitness uh, wellness space. So I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I originally got into fitness whenever I was training to become a firefighter. So... I was never really big into sports or anything growing up in high school. Believe it or not, I, I wasn't Mr. Cool, popular kid. I, uh, I, was, I, I say I was on the team, but that's about as far as my sports involvement went. Is, uh, I played sports just up until about my sophomore year of high school. We ended up changing schools and uh, ended up not being able to play sports because you had to sit out. And then I just never really had a passion for it. Then uh, when I was trying to become a firefighter, my, father introduced me, uh, my father-in-law introduced me into CrossFit. 
um, because it was huge with police, fire, military. And he said, well, if you want to be a firefighter, this is what you got to do. And so I did it and I, I fell in love with it. I had never followed really a structured strength conditioning program before. And so it was kind of my first introduction to things like the Olympic lifts and things like that. And uh, I just fell in love with it. And so after I was on the job as a firefighter for a couple of years, um, as a firefighter where I was at, you work 24 hours on, 48 hours off. So you had some downtime. And so everybody had a side job that they did. And uh, I was really falling in love with fitness. And so after speaking with my wife, we decided to kind of jump on in and we opened up our first CrossFit affiliate in uh, 2011. And uh, it did very well. And after we had opened it for about a year, we had to make a decision. Were we going to hire a manager or somebody, to, an operations person to run this facility full time? Or were we ready to, you know, dive headfirst in and become full time gym owners and entrepreneurs? And so after lots of lots of thoughts and, and prayers over that, we decided to uh, go ahead and I left the fire department and I did full-time fitness. And then once I made that commitment and I dove 100% in, the gym exploded. Um, about six months after being full-time committed to this and this being my only project, there was a competing CrossFit gym about half a mile from me. I was actually able to purchase their facility. So then we owned two CrossFit affiliates and whenever we put our focus in it, it, it did incredible. And uh, so then after about two, uh, I'm sorry, after, after we purchased the, the second facility, we had two facilities. About eight months later after that, we actually ended up selling the facilities, uh, the CrossFit facilities to a trainer that worked for me. And I still kept rights to the company that I owned where we did like a women's only boot camp. We did subcontracting strength conditioning in high schools and um, just personal one-on-one -on -one training that we did and sold the CrossFit affiliates, focused on that. I wasn't really quite sure if I wanted to stick in with fitness. And there was a strength coach that I followed named Mike Boyle. And at the bottom of one of his blog posts one day, I saw where it said, you know, click here for licensing opportunities. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. If I, if I got back into fitness, this is something that looks like it'd be interesting to me. I love the whole move, movement approach that he has, his working with athletes. I really had a passion for once I started working with the high school athletes. And so long story short, we ended up uh, going in with them. It's called MBSC Thrive. It's Mike Boyle Strength Conditioning Thrive. And we uh, opened up a sports performance facility, functional training facility in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, then we owned that for about two years. And uh, through, through a series of, uh, you can say, fortunate or unfortunate events, that facility actually ended up, we closed that down whenever we found the opportunity uh, to come here to Miami. So how I even found out about anatomy was it was right a little over one year ago. I actually, I also do work for Men's Health Magazine and I was at an at-home DVD shoot with them. And I was telling them, telling them that my wife and I were looking to move to the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area because pursue more opportunities in fitness. And we're also very involved with a charity organization in Haiti. And so it's a really short, easy flight to get there. And they said, well, you should look up Mark Megna in this gym called Anatomy at 1220. It's crazy. That guy's a lunatic. <laughs> so so I, as soon as I got back to my hotel room that night, I Googled it. I'm like, man, this guy's crazy. He's like up at all hours in the night. Like to me, it's still night at, you know, three in the morning at the end. So I, like I, I saw the facility. This is beautiful. And I remember thinking, there's no way these guys are going to hire me. I looked at the caliber of everybody that worked here and had a lot of self-doubt. And so... I swung for the fences. I, I sent my resume in here, and uh, I remember you called me or emailed me back like within two hours, and I was like, and it came directly from you. I was like, well, I didn't have to talk to like a manager or anything. Like I got to speak right right to the man himself, and then you asked me to come in for an interview 
um, the next day. And I was like, well, I, I live in Oklahoma. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we ended up doing uh, several, several uh, FaceTime interviews and Skype. And then I came down here, spent a week in Miami and fell in love with the place. And that process from discovering anatomy, um, hounding you with messages and, and interviews and selling our home, closing our business and moving here, it happened in three months. It was crazy. That was quick. That was quick. Just a side note, a few side notes. So when someone either approaches me, uh, sends me an email, most people that are would be applying for a job, they don't actually. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have my uh, phone number, so they couldn't text me. But so they'd have to approach me or email me. This is just the way I do things. I'm not saying this is the best way, but this is my way. This is something I've learned through other people. When I get an email, quickly, it's how that email is written, the words they choose. I view it and review it carefully, paying attention to detail and seeing exactly what that person is saying. And believe it or not, in a very short email, you can hear what they're all about most of the time. And I get a lot of emails that'll say, we are uh, currently uh, at capacity for trainers. We are not searching for any trainees at this moment. I thank you for your inquiry and move forward. Sean's email was uh, well-written. It was uh, thoughtful, and it sounded like someone who really wanted to be a part of something special, and that's exactly what we have here at Anatomy of 1220. So that's exactly why I emailed him back immediately and didn't give him the standard response. And then the interview, the first FaceTime interview, I have to note that when I saw him, (laughs) I was a bit concerned, not because of his wardrobe. No, he was dressed in a shirt and tie, right? Yeah. Shirt and tie. (laughs) I don't know about the color coordination, but it was, uh, I know this, he was happy, he was enthusiastic, he was polite, and he was eager to uh, be a part of something. So that being said, um, he's now a part of our team, but please finish your story, Sean, because I want to hear the rest of it. Yeah, so the, uh, like I said, the whole process happened extremely quickly. We went from selling pretty much everything we had. My wife, we have two young daughters, Hadley, age four, and Aubrey, she's two and a half, move across the country. And Huge uh, step, though. Were you guys nervous? Yes and no. So one thing my wife had told me before, she said, I know that this is the right thing for us to do, and the process is going to be difficult, but once we get down there, it's going to be extremely blessed. And she's always extremely wise when it comes to stuff like this. So I was like, okay, babe, if, if that's what you say, like, let, let's go in and let's do this. She said that. Wow. That's a strong woman. right? <laughs> she's, there. she's, she's, yeah, she's amazing. But we, so another thing about me is my wife and I, we've been married for, it'll be 12 years next month. And we got married at 19. So I'm 31 now. And so by the time we had made this decision, we had already had so much life experience together because i mean getting married at 19 you grow up together i love that word life experience by the way (laughs) so i actually know what that entails so because we had already been through so many things uh, a cross-country move with two kids and restarting everything for some people and not saying that it wasn't stressful for us but it would have been even more stressful on other families and couples that hadn't been through some of the things we had gone through with owning a business and, and other things that had already made us so strong so it was extremely difficult but because of our marriage and and the the groundwork we had already laid 
it wasn't as difficult as it could have been for, for other people. Right. And, and listen, uh, that's a credit to yourself and your wife, Courtney, who's a wonderful person. I've met her. I don't know her as well as I obviously know you, but I know that she's a very focused woman, very driven. And um, I, I know that you guys are both very special and you have a special family. But when someone moves their whole life, <laughs> wife uh, and children across the country to pursue something, that speaks volumes of their character and, and who they are in their faith. So that's a really big deal. So um, seriously, congrats on that. I don't know what the proper word choice is. But, you know, not to take attention off Sean, but we actually have the majority of our trainers who moved uh, from far away to come to anatomy. You know, just Edwin Santiago, you know, from Delaware, he traveled down here. Um, a very similar story, Edwin. Uh, Jacqueline Kaysen, Eric Story moved from Richmond, Virginia, packed up his car. Um, There's just so many. Uh, You know, Grant from Chicago. There's really no one from Miami, and that speaks volumes of all the individuals on the team who are so driven to make their dreams happen, and I credit all of them because they're all very special. So once you got down here, did you visit what you had expected? What was it? <laughs> it was not Oklahoma, that's for sure. So, <laughs> and, that, and that, by the way, that was one of the questions I asked because, look, this uh, podcast is about Sean, but it was nervous. I was, excuse me, it was nerve-wracking rather because when I, I wanted to bring Sean here, I thought he could be special. I didn't know him uh, from a hole in the wall, but doing checks and um, – trying to figure out who he was from his history, digging into it. I knew that he had something. I don't know what – it's like an NFL player. He could be special. He might be great. He might end up being mediocre, but it's only one way to find out. So, you know, when he moved here, I had the stress of, I I hope this works for this guy who just moved his entire family here. And that's the same stress I have for all the trainers when they come here. If they're not in it like I'm in it, then there's a big problem. They're going to fail. And I didn't want to have the uh, guilt of, uh, of someone failing, and now they're stuck here with their family. So I asked them, uh, have you been to Miami? Yeah, <laughs> I had been here for, for a vacation, and, uh, but I had never been to, to South Beach. And I, I, know, I remember one thing that you kept bringing up in the interview process because you said you had seen this with trainers before as they come down here and they get you know, wrapped up and kind of consumed with some of the, the nightlife activities that go on here. And I, I reassured you, and I think now that you can see this and you actually know who I am, that yeah. was never a concern of me is getting involved in that. My concern was coming down and starting over because I knew – no one. Yeah. I, I had met Jacqueline before, Jacqueline Kaysen before at a fitness conference that I had gone to, but it was maybe a total of 15 minutes I'd talked to her before. Right. Well, I, I mean, just when I woke up this morning, I, I think I rose at three and, uh, you know, I'm just gathering my thoughts. I'm scrolling through Instagram quickly. I see several trainers up at the club and <laughs> listen, I don't judge them. I don't think there's any, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that for you. For me, I could never do that. So, you know, it's where, 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 where is your focus? Uh, what are you sacrificing and what's important to you? And your actions, you know, tell a story. And I'm always concerned with someone who really has to get that club time in. You know, they, they want to be the man. And if that's the case, like I said, there's no judgment on my end. But I need the people to be all in like I am. If they're not all in like I am, we're going to have a problem. We're in different wavelengths. So knowing Sean now, I knew that wouldn't be a problem like the rest, most of our team. Uh, that's not a problem for them. 
like they're into changing people's lives and committing their entire life uh, to the fitness health space. So you were, you're down here, you just arrived. Um, tell us about your first few weeks, months here. Yeah, so it was, uh, as soon as I got here, it was, it was time to go to work and it was a lot different than I thought it was gonna be from the fact of, there, I guess there was, there was more of a learning curve and I, I don't wanna necessarily say arrogance, but I thought it was gonna be easier for me than what it was. But I, so the, all the facilities that I o- had always owned were group fitness. They were small group training. And so the one-on-one uh, personal training was never something that was a huge part of my business. And that's 100% of my business here. And so learning that aspect of the business on, on working with clients, on, not on just a one-on-one basis, but the whole sales process, assessments, getting them to come in, pulling people off the floor for training sessions was something that I struggled with. And I remember, and I know that you remember this very well, like having a breakdown moment in the office because like you said, we had moved my entire family over here and I know that you said you had a lot of stress and I know that you um, and the entire team here, uh, office staff to, to the teammates that I work with, went out of their way to kind of help me and kind of lob me some, some easy, easy pitches to hit, which I'm extremely, extremely thankful for. Um, but I remember just breaking down in the office because I didn't know if I could do this and uh, it was I mean it was scary because I I didn't want to feel like a failure because I was already carrying around so much junk with me from the last facility that I owned because it didn't it didn't it it failed if you look at it from the financial standpoint it failed and so I didn't want to be oh great now you know that business didn't work out now I moved my family across the country and now you know I can't make this work out and I just had so much doubt about myself but thankfully you know my amazing wife was there to support me and lift me up and then obviously obviously you were there to kind of like pick me up and just uh you know just kind of remind me first of all my why why i was doing this i've got you know a beautiful wife and two amazing daughters at home you know this is this is something i believe that i'm called to and i've got a purpose and a passion for this and um yeah I, I kind of just, that was my, my put my big boy pants on moment <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, just came extremely hyper-focused. No, absolutely. I, I remember that moment in the office and I was actually on my computer doing some office work and I actually heard the moment and then I turned around and I said, what's wrong? And then you told me and I was thinking, Sean, uh, you've been here three weeks or two weeks. I think it might have been nine days, actually. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it wasn't even two it, weeks. It was like nine days, I said, and you were concerned. And I said, you've been here nine days, man. Like, I appreciate your hustle and how important this is to you. And that's why you're here. I wouldn't bring someone in unless it was that important to you. But you, you got to give it some time. You know, when I started, I remember it was like six years before it really started to pop. And and not 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 the millennial thing, but I was thinking, Sean, you have so much talent, so much uh uh, education and all these great attributes, things behind you. Why don't you just go to work? Like some, a lot of people are interested in this isn't speaking about Sean, but even the younger people now, they're so interested in it happening. The end result happening now, just sharpen your skill set and just focus on the things you have to do and things will take care of themselves. And they, they, they really did. You know, uh, he went to work and it, it was, certainly wasn't easy. And you spoke about the differences between training small groups and one-on-one there was a 
very well-known strength coach that said it's so much easier to train regular people one-on-one than athletes in small groups. And then many months later, he uh, took that statement back. And I think we both know who that is, and I don't want to mention him, but it's hard when you're working with someone one-on-one. you right there, man. There's a giant stage, and there's only one person in the crowd, and they are staring at you like, don't screw this up. And they're watching and listening to every single moment and action and word. It's a lot of stress, man. And you always want to do things right. And to understand that you're not always going to do things right, like your businesses. When you told me the story about the CrossFits, you killed it with the CrossFits. Like crushed it. And it was going well. And you could have just hung out status quo and just expanded on those and just made more money. But then you decided to go another route and do something else with another uh, strength strength and conditioning facility, correct? Correct. And that one didn't work out. Like I always tell other people that, you know, say this person failed or that didn't work out or their failure. I said, be very careful when you say that because there's a lot of people in this world that fail over and over and over again and then things pop. And I think those people are actually special because they don't give up. It's easy to get up every single day when things are going perfectly, but you find out what you're really made of when things aren't going well and you still have to get up. So uh, that's a credit to you. And you said you got a lot of softballs, but you had a lot of help from the team and support. Thank goodness, because we've all had a lot of help. So where are you now? And uh, what things, what did you learn quickly on the job and what things changed uh, when things started to kind of quote unquote pop for you? So, so I would say definitely the biggest thing that I learned is just the, the fortune and the follow-up. Like it's one of those things, I, I know you, you've spoken about this several times in our team meetings, is that just because you ask somebody once doesn't mean no. It just means no, no right now. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep being persistent with everything because I, not, to, not to slam Miami, but I think people are used to almost people being kind of flaky here and not following through with what they say that they're going to do. So whenever people actually see that drive and that follow through, um, that makes you set apart. I, I, I get told all the time, like, man, Sean, you're doing all these incredible things there. What's your secret? Like, I just follow through. I do pe- what I tell people yeah. I'm going to do. There's, there's no, yeah. no like secret sauce or anything like that. It's just doing what you tell people you're going to do. Right. And I think this, that is 90% of, uh, Contact will happen after your eighth try. After your eighth try. So up until eight times of you contacting that person, call, email, text. Hey, uh, are we going to get this assessment in? It doesn't happen at all until the eighth try. And how many people follow up more than once? Oh, yeah, exactly. Most most of the time people are just going to just going to call them once. and Oh, it didn't work out. And then just move on to the next one. And if you hold on to that list and if you just beat your feet and you really try to stay on top of things, it will happen. It will. Yeah. That's it. I think the other thing that was the, not only just the follow through, but it was because I remember you and even Vanessa, our, our sales and marketing here, she told me just be yourself because I think I was still kind of trying to keep too much stuff in and trying to be who I thought people wanted me to be here and not letting them see Sean. And once they started seeing, you know, like you said, Mr. Happy Energy, they're like, yeah. hey, there's something different about this guy. And yeah. I, I, I think that also just by 
consistently showing those habits that I think at first people, because I, I, I get this all the time, people think that it's like fake or a show. But course, once yeah. they see like, no, every morning when that guy gets here at 4.30 a.m., he's yeah. smiley and happy like right. that. Yeah, most people in Miami definitely aren't used to that. But, um, <laughs> you know, and what a wonderful person to get advice from. Vanessa, he's speaking about uh, Vanessa and Anatomy at 12.20. She's, man, she's worked everywhere. I mean, she was at Equinox, Crunch, David Barton, Flywheel. I mean, I think she attends different group fitness classes all over Miami. She knows the business backwards. She really does. So she was, it's always very helpful to the entire team. Works, has... I don't even know what she does because she does everything. <laughs> She's got so many jobs here. Um, but another uh, superhero on our team. You know, that follow-up we, that we discussed earlier, I think that when you follow up in a place like Miami two, three, four, five times, people are shocked. So now they're intrigued. They're like, well, they want to know, like, why is this person contacting me? Like, it must be important. Like, that's a big deal. We had a member the other day that had a negative experience um, because she didn't understand the protocol for group fitness. And I spoke with her and, you know, I decided that, you know, she, I felt that she needed to call. So I called her, left a message. She didn't answer the phone. I called her back again the following day. She was shocked. She was shocked. She didn't understand why I was calling. I said, I just wanted to make sure that you understood that how things worked here and I want to apologize for you not having the best experience and she was completely overwhelmed with joy she couldn't believe that someone was calling her and I didn't do anything but what I was supposed to do yeah I'm not patting myself on the back that's kind of what you're supposed to do because this person gave us an opportunity why not follow up and make sure that she's going to be in the mix and feeling good about her experience going forward yeah, basic, basic, basic common courtesy can get you a long way and oh, a human, smile. Humanity, being being a human being, <laughs> being a person. Okay, so you're following up. Uh, you're you're pretty busy right now. You're also teaching a class. Something that I put on my goal list for Anatomy Twelve Twenty was having some sort of uh, kid curriculum, and I wrote down Little Anatomy. And I knew that Little Anatomy. Um, could be something special but you have to have the <coughs> excuse me right person doing it and although we have many people uh that possibly could have done little anatomy we don't have a huge team they're all very busy training group fitness and sean came in and he's a dad he has two little girls and he wanted to give it a go tell us about little anatomy yeah so at all the facilities that i had owned i had always had a children's program because even before i had kids i just always enjoyed working with them um, so at my CrossFit gyms, I had CrossFit kids. Whenever I had my sports performance gym, I had like a youth speed and agility program. And then it kind of towards the end started morphing into very, pretty much very similar to what we do here at Little Anatomy called play-based fitness. And so we had a member here at the gym that was starting to, that wanted me to start training their daughters and I started using that kind of as like a test pilot. And so I, I, I knew that if people saw that what we were, what I was doing with them, more parents would want to join. So I remember posting a few pictures and videos and everything of what I was doing with them here at Anatomy on, on Instagram. And then parents just started messaging me, asking me, hey, would you mind training my, my daughters? And so I, I came to you to ask if we could, you know, launch the Little Anatomy program. And then we did. And it's been awesome. So what Little Anatomy is, um, for those of you guys who don't know, it, it's play-based fitness. So pretty much what that means is it's not a structured strength conditioning program like 
we're not coming in, it's like, like a boot camp and saying, all right, kids, we're gonna do push-ups, squats, and, and all this stuff. What we're doing is we're introducing fitness concepts in a play-based model. So for us as trainers, we know what we're trying to do. We're, you know, we're working on you know, proprioception, balance, stability, you know, strength, and things like that. But to the kids, we're playing a game like you know, tic-tac-toe sprint, right. or we're playing you know, cat and mouse and, and you know, towel tag and all of these different activities keeping that we come f- up. <clears throat> keeping it fun, right? Yeah, because whenever kids are young, you have the opportunity to make or break them. So you can completely burn kids out of fitness and, and make it seem like it's this big, scary monster. Um, you can like a whole other issue is single sporting kids at a younger, young age and just getting them injured and burned out of what they do. Or you can show them that this can be fun and sustainable and it can be a part of their life. It doesn't have to be something they have to do as punishment or anything, right. but, it, but it's fun and, and it's something they can do for the rest of their lives. Right, absolutely. And you know, when I was a kid, it was just par for the course to play soccer, play basketball, pick up basketball, stickball, play everything possible. And turns out I did play organized soccer, basketball, ice hockey, football, baseball. One of the worst things in the world is to tell a kid that he absolutely has to do something, number one, and this is just my opinion, number two, force a kid to play just one sport because, I mean, you don't even know. I mean, everyone thought I was going to be the world's greatest baseball player. Thank God that <laughs> I played a couple of the sports because I was very average in baseball and I happened to be pretty good at another sport. Um, but I think it's intimidating. I know for me it was always intimidating. Sports were intimidating. I didn't move naturally. I was a fat, chubby kid. Um, I wanted to have fun, and fun didn't even come till much later on. And I think fun should kind of be the first step because that's the easiest way to get kids to invest their time. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just speaking a little bit to parents and parenting, when I owned my, my sports performance facility, I remember I, I answered the phone one time and this guy was asking about my facility. He told me about this amazing all-star baseball player that he had and he really needed to come in, work on his you know, strength. He wanted him deadlifting because his legs were really weak. He wanted him to be more explosive. And I was like, that's awesome, you know, well, what, what school is he playing for? Has he got any colleges looking at him? He's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to go. He might even get drafted right out of high school. That's amazing. Uh, when can he come in? He's like, well, he gets out of elementary school later today. Like, this kid, the, kid, the kid was six years old, and the dad was wanting to do all this stuff. And I, he said, well, what, what do you think he should do? I said, I think he should play and be a kid. <laughs> because you're well, she didn't like that answer <laughs> no no they, they didn't come by but yeah. somebody I, I wasn't going to do it but I'm sure somebody's going to let the kid come in there and start start repping out heavy deadlifts but yeah. there you have to as parents you have the opportunity to show kids that this can be part of their lifestyle because I think first of all kids observe and see everything that you do and whether they speak on it or not they're watching you so I think one of the worst things that you can do as a parent when it comes to health and fitness is make it seem like it's a bad thing. Like if you're, if you're a parent and you come home from your workout or you're like, oh, well, I have to go to the gym today because you know I ate this or I have to go work out. 
or you come home from the gym and you just crash like, oh, that's horrible. I can't feel my legs. I can't squat down on the toilet. Like the kids realize that. And then you're going to say, all right, sweetie, let's go to the gym. They're not going to want to do that. You just right. came and crashed on right. the couch and, and talking about how you can't walk. Why would you want to put me through that, mom? And so how parents relay that information to their children, they have to be very cautious about that. And they have to show them like, man, that was a great workout. I had so much fun. Do you guys want to come with mommy? And just including kids into their, to their lifestyle, it's going to make it more appealing to the kids. Right. Absolutely. I, my grandfather, when he introduced me to fitness, he said, when you go to the gym, you're going to feel healthy. You're going to feel amazing. You're going to have so much energy. You're going to be confident. You're going to be strong. You're going to be like a superhero. I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get to the gym. I mean, that was, those are big promises, but that's how he got me. And, <laughs> and you know, he was right. I mean, there was a lot of uh, return to those things that he had mentioned. So uh, the little anatomy program is doing very well. And as Sean mentioned, it was a test case because we didn't, we didn't know. I mean, it's Miami beach. I've, I've had uh, members of anatomy tell me they brought their kids to other facilities and they said, I'm sorry, but we're not a kid friendly facility. I mean, it's true. I mean, that's, that's their program. And I understand that. And in some facilities, that's not their uh, intention or their uh, selected customer. But um, we didn't know if it was going to work, but it's taken, uh, taken form here and it's doing very well. And there's going to be a few other things we're working on here. But you also teach uh, another group fitness class and you've also gotten into uh, video work. Oh, yeah. So tell us about those cl the class and the video work. Yeah, so I teach uh, teach several classes here. So I, I do a Sunrise Circuits uh, a 7 a.m. class for just uh, general circuit training. I do a class called Hardcore. It's a 30-minute ab class where it's just core. And that that on itself, people always think, oh, we're just going to do sit-ups for 30 minutes. Like, no, I have to explain. The core is all the muscles on the front and back side of the body in between your shoulders and your hips. The primary pr function of your core is to stabilize. We're not going to be, you know, doing all that so that's that's been good good class and, and that's that's been a very popular class i also do a class called sweat stretch and recover which is like a body weight movement mobility class i'm just kind of helping people deload and decompress for the week um and then yeah my little anatomy program which the, the little anatomy is like my baby that's my heart and soul that's something that i'm extremely passionate about but yeah i've I, I've, I've recently gotten into uh to videography, it's something that, that I've always been passionate about. I, I got into it kind of accidentally in high school. I, had a, I was taking a uh, business marketing course and we always had a substitute teacher because our teacher was always out sick. And one day my friends and I found this really nice camera and a laptop and this green piece of cloth in uh, the closet. And so we're like, well, what's all this for? And so we kind of started playing around with it and kind of self-taught ourselves how to do basic things with video editing and green screen work and we i mean we were just high school kids goofing around campus running around shooting stupid little sketch videos on a uh on a, on a cheap camera and then um after high school i went to college and I actually went to college to be a youth pastor and uh, whenever i was working as a youth pastor i was responsible for doing a lot of the video work and everything for the church and so i, I did that and then I kind of stepped back from that as I kind of went doing a little different career path for a while. I became a restaurant manager and I've done a lot of different things. <laughs> whenever I got back into fitness and owning my own businesses um, at my facilities, it was, it was a pretty low, low budget. It was, I did everything. I was the janitor, the marketer and, and all that stuff. So I had to shoot and create all my own content. And so that's kind of where I started getting into it again. And now with the rise and popularity of social media, if you 
want to kind of stand out. You've got to do something to kind of distinguish yourself in, in that regards and everything. And the way social media is changing and adapting, it's, it's very much video biased. And so I said, well, let's, let's, let's get back into it. So, so got, got some toys and everything and have started uh, just pretty much falling in love with it again. It's, it's a good creative outlet for me because I, growing up, I played a bunch of different instruments, the guitar, the bass, the drums, and I was, I was in several little bands and everything, little, little high school crotch bands. And uh, that was a way to kind of like get some creative energy out. And with our, with our job, we're able to do that a little bit with, with, you know, coming up with new creative ways to do exercises and programming. But I was still like, there was this void that like, I just wanted to create something. And so I absolutely love it. I, I tell my wife, like, shooting and editing video content is like an old lady crocheting a blanket or something. It's just relaxing to me. And so I, I love shooting, shooting video content for people that we have here started a daily vlog to kind of track the life of a body architect for anatomy at 1220 as I'm trying to grow a brand here within within the gym and then also grow an online fitness personality as well just kind of documenting the steps and showing people that aspect of it of, of working with major brands How and they listen to that vlog you can go to youtube.com slash Sean Garner and get your life changed with that <laughs> it's pretty interesting we started team training here, so Sean pretty much uh, videos all the team training sessions. And team training, sometimes we get them in. Uh, mo many of uh, our team members will train at the same time, or it's uh, the goal is to just train with someone else. So we, he gets that in, and he does a great job with the videos. They're fun to watch. You get to see some of the exercises and the selections that we make here and the energy that goes on when, we, when we're training here. But he also does uh, a day in the life of a trainer, he does uh, video with his family, nutrition, just pretty much everything. Um, you definitely want to check the check them out. It's uh, YouTube, once again. YouTube.com slash Sean Garner. Okay. Now, you know, being a, a personal trainer at Anatomy in, uh, in today's world is very unique. When you're a personal trainer, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. Sleep time time with your family uh but that's the life that that is what it is and it's not a chore because you love to do it um tell us about you know some of your favorite parts of being a personal trainer and and, and why you love those things so very much so one thing that i love especially about I, I i can't speak to other facilities but i know that we have something extremely special here is in one day i can go through 12 different not only just goals, but personalities and lifestyles. So just, just the other day, I, I was talking to somebody and I said, in this day, I've trained, you know, an HR director, a uh, business owner, a couple of CEOs, a veterinarian surgeon, you know, a physician, a musician, a, a YouTuber. And then they all had extremely different goals from weight loss. You know, uh, one of them was post-surgery and they are doing just like a lot of movement work. One's a physique competitor. Um, one's general fitness, one's working on strength training. And so you get to almost use, I call them your tricks, uh, as far as like all the things that you know in your tool bag as, as being a trainer. You can use almost everything in one day. Right. It, when you're doing group fitness, it might be like, okay, well, you know, this might be, th this class might be, you know, speed focused, or this one, this day might be, you know, we're going to work on strength. But in one day, I mean, you can go through all different kinds of sets and rep schemes and modalities and, and training tools, especially all the cool, cool stuff that we have here at anatomy. And so you get to get that creative side out that I talked about, but you also get to express yourself as a trainer and you get to, even though the number 
of people that you don't have, that you get to work with isn't as large as working with group fitness. It's more direct and personal. So you're having these kind of like the, the other side of fitness moments with people to where you're able to actually pull things out other than just helping them to, you know, achieve their aesthetic or fitness goals. Right. It's, it's helping them to see what they're actually capable of outside of the gym. Because I, I, you say this all the time, and if you're a trainer and you think that people are just coming to you because they want to, you know, look better in a swimsuit, like you're missing a huge, huge point. Really, uh, you know, I, I can appreciate anyone who walks in the door that says they want to, they want a six pack. Look, you're the customer. If you want a six pack, that's great. But I'd be negligent if I didn't just try to help you develop other pieces of your fitness and wellness portfolio. You know, we're we're trying to make this person the very best they can be and i'm not trying to give you a u.s army statement but the point is you know i can give you a six-pack but let me make you a little bit stronger let me make you a little bit more confident let me try to help you get all the physical and mental tools that come with going through a program and sticking with the program the goal of a program is always to keep the goal the goal which is great but at the same time i think we're we're in a position educated and experienced enough to give that person more than what they were asking for and i think that's uh the, at least always the goal on my end um what are some of the uh hurdles that you've had um that you can speak to um because we have such a unique environment here but what are some of the hurdles for a personal trainer that you you experience each and every day that you're trying to work on um so several so one i would say you have to always always remain who you are and consistent in your actions. So there's no off season. Don't get complacent in thinking, well, I've got a book of business built up because at any moment, because it is personal training, if one person misses your group fitness class, that's not going to affect you that much. But if one person goes on vacation, well, then you could instantly lose, you know, five to six sessions, maybe even seven a week. And so that does affect you. So you always have to be growing and, and not being complacent with, with what you're doing. Um, you have to be willing to put in work. I think a lot of times people think that, oh, I'm a trainer or, you know, I might look really good with my shirt off, so I'm gonna come in here and all these clients are gonna wanna train with me. Just like I said, people are coming to you for, if, or they think they're coming to you for, for uh, you know, aesthetic goals and things like that. They are looking for that connection. So if you're not able to fill that void, yeah, they might buy a couple of sessions, but it's not going to last. So you have to be able to put in the time and show people your personality, who you are, and that you're actually there to help them become a better person. Right. And, you know, this, I've read uh, several books about training. When I say several, hundreds. And listen, I'm not uh, the smartest person in the room. I say that often because I know I'm not. That's just the truth. Um, I do know this. Uh, when I was a younger uh, person, I hated, hated to read. And I was thinking about this early this morning, actually. I don't know how much earlier right now. We're at the 5 a.m. hour. But I picked up one book, and it was called The Warrior Elite. I'll never forget it. And a book of this book was happened to be 228 pages. And that book would probably take me, at a younger age, anywhere from three weeks to a month to get through. I read that book in 24 hours. And what I realized is that if I like something, not only do I, uh, does it retain my attention, but I absorb it. 
you know, for, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but for much of my life personally, I, I was convinced that I wasn't smart and I couldn't retain information. But what I realized was I couldn't retain the information that I didn't care about. But when I happened to enjoy or be interested in the subject, I was the T-Rex of information consumption. I could digest tons of inter- of information and so like everything. And one of the things that I'm most interested in and I think is paramount for anyone in the fitness and wellness space is behavior and getting to understand the way people move, the way they think. Uh, when I said the move, what I mean by move is their habits. Uh, understanding the psychology of the people around you, the people you work with, your team, uh, people of the world, understanding behavior, communication skills. That's huge. That's a huge deal. And as Sean is saying, is programming important? It's incredibly important. But you can't even scratch the surface with programming if you don't understand what's going on in front of you. So you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you should have the ability to walk into the room, gather information, and know exactly what you're going to do with it, which takes decades to do. Sorry to go off on a tangent there, but I thought that was important because the ability to have social agility, uh, referencing Brent Bartholomew, uh, is so, so important. Yeah, that's and speaking on the to a question that you asked me earlier, that was one of the things that I have developed and I'm by no means perfect at it, but I've gotten a lot better at is learning the importance and how to pick up and read the nonverbal cues. So whenever you are going through the assessment process or you're meeting somebody for the first time, how are they carrying themselves? If they're, you know, if they're saying, "Well, yeah, you know, I'd like to drop a few pounds." Like how are they saying it? Like if you're getting into why and you're able to connect with that aspect of it, that's where you know the true magic starts happening with these people and the clients that you work with because it's being able to pick up on those things is this what's going to turn one session or you know a couple of weeks into a lifetime of getting an opportunity to work with somebody oh yeah it's not hey i want to lose 20 pounds it's why would you like to lose 20 pounds and it's not always because i want to look better to get a girl yeah, trust me when i tell you that's the fr- usually the furthest thing from it it's, I want to lose 20 pounds and then several layers underneath it's because, and, and look, man, I'm not claiming to be a psychologist because I am the furthest thing from it, but I might want to know that this person was completely rejected by their parents and, and they, they don't feel accepted by anyone. That's kind of important. And then they're not going to dish that information out in the first session, maybe not in the first 10 sessions or 20 sessions, but eventually that cat's going to come out of the bag. And to know that is powerful because they probably don't share it with anyone. But once you know it, you can understand how to approach things when you're dealing with this individual. And that is gold. It's gold. And if you miss that moment, you're just a trainer banging out sessions. Yeah, and that's one of the things that you just, we were were speaking a little bit about earlier, is that's kind of one of the benefits of, of working with personal training is you get that opportunity to reach down and dig down to those deeper things than, than you would if it was just a group fitness class. Yep. And, you know, how you approach someone who walks in a door and appears to be completely confident and how you approach someone who says they want to lose 20 pounds on a frame where they look like they may need to gain five, you, you kind of got to be paying attention to those things. Um, 
and then how you respond and how you treat that person going forward is so important. I can't tell you enough. And um, I've seen trainers lose clients that seem to be incredibly in and they say it's just uh, just cost. And it's certainly not cost because they end up at another gym and they're still driving a $150,000 car. So, you know, we, we have to self-assess and, and ask ourselves, was I paying attention to their needs? Because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's always paying attention to someone's needs. The most important person in the situation, I've said it a thousand times, is not you, it's the other person. So uh, pay attention to detail. Uh, pay attention to what's in front of you. Take the focus off yourself, put it on the other person, and you'll go far. And that's in everything. That's not just training. That's in business. That's in relationships, uh, family, friends, everything. By the way, I need tons of work on all of it. I have not cornered the market on that. I, I, I struggle a great deal, but I've come a long way. I can certainly acknowledge that as well. Okay. Uh, what, what advice, Sean, would you give someone uh, who's starting in the business in personal training? Someone really wants to be sitting where you are and they aspire to do great things in the fitness space uh, as a personal trainer or strength coach. What advice would you give them starting? I would say, obviously, like the, the X's and O's, if you will, or, or the, the programming, the, the science behind fitness it is very important to have a, a good base of. Don't be too obsessed about like which certification agency you're going to get one. Get a, get a certification, get your education and your bases covered there. But you need to spend a lot more time on the other side of fitness and the character development and the time management way more than you ever think that you will because those are the things that separate the good from the great. When I, when I opened my first facility, I had zero experience. My training experience was I was a guy that liked to work out and I went and got a certification and a month later I opened a facility. So I had never trained a person in my life. And after I had owned a facility for, for several years, some of the members that stuck with me the entire time, they said, <laughs> in a nice way they said when you first opened you didn't have a clue what you were doing but we stayed wow. <laughs> we stayed because of how uh, passionate you were how we saw you were always trying to learn and just how kind you were and how you treated everybody so learning those, those character development skills and putting that as a priority over then well I've got to go to this certification the next weekend or or you know in one month I've got to go here maybe going to like a seminar that works on public speaking you know, doing something like Toastmasters, that's, that's, I've heard that before. <laughs> that's huge. And people undervalue that so much. They, they, uh, uh, like we said, a huge part of communication is that nonverbal. So learning how to carry yourself, having confidence in yourself and being able to, to speak is going to get you that initial conversation with, with the person. Absolutely. Everyone, yeah, listen, you might not want to, if you don't want to be Tony Robbins, you don't want to be Eric Thomas, I'm fine with that. I hear you, man. Not everyone wants to be on stage. Being on stage is stressful, as we all know, or maybe you don't know, but the number one fear in this world is not death, it's public speaking. That's true. Look it up. But to, to go, go to a, uh, once a, I used to go to a uh, Toastmasters for a few years uh, every Thursday night to work on public speaking, speaking. And much like my athletic career, I was scared to death every time I walked in that room. And every time I got on the field, I was scared to death. But something so amazing happened when I did it. I became a different person and I started to develop something that 
truth be told, I felt it was leave it alone. You don't need to develop that. It's scary. You shouldn't do it because it's nerve wracking. But the fact that I've, I've done it and I've done it so many times, uh, let me quickly say, that doesn't mean I'm good at it. But what it does mean is that I get so many opportunities to speak now, paid opportunities, great opportunities. And the pay is icing on the cake. The awesome part is I get to touch other people and connect with other people. That's the incredible part. And I never would have done that had I not developed that part of Mark. So it's such a huge thing that you mentioned. So absolutely, I agree 100%. Yeah, the, uh, the next thing I would say is you need to realize that especially in this industry and the way that it's shifting is you are your brand and the work and the character that you display is your brand. So you need to be extremely... Um, I guess, wise in the things that you're posting out on there on social media, because whether you know it or not, I've had several clients come up to me and say, well, the reason I did a session with you is because I went and I looked you up on, online and, and I saw the kind of things that you were posting and you weren't, you know, you weren't out at the club at 3 a.m. <laughs> you were, you were at work. And, and so the, be, be very wise on, on the, what you're posting out there, because like we talked about with the, the communication, that is a reflection of you. And so how are you going to show somebody how to live a great, healthy, positive lifestyle if you're, you know, out partying and, right. and, and doing all this crazy stuff? Right. And, and if you're paying attention, it's, I, th I think at this moment, a lot of people, maybe if you're listening, they're, they're thinking, yeah, you know what, man, that's not who I am. It's going to be me, man. I'm going to do me. I'm going to be myself. I always say that's fine. But if doing you is acting like a jerk, if doing you is being a cocky, arrogant person, if doing you is getting smashed drunk at the club or acting like a boastful, uh, just terrible energy, you might want to rethink your brand. And then if you don't get certain opportunities, don't be upset. You end up as a washed up hater thinking that person had opportunities and I didn't. That's BS. I mean, you really need to think what your goals are. I mean, I know guys that hang out at the clubs all the time and they think they're the God's gift of training or whatever it may be and that's fine but imagine where you would be if you using that if you were using that time to do something else right oh ab yeah absolutely so not only on just the time side of it of using it to grow and develop your brand continue education sleep because like we said the, this industry takes takes a lot of work but being diligent with with everything that you've been given so if you if you don't realize that this is part of your brand and you will end up becoming like you said one of those haters because if you want to work with with a huge brand like like a nike or an under armor or, or a men's health something like that they're not gonna use you it doesn't matter how great of a trainer you think you are or how many you know instagram followers you have if you don't align with a brand which a lot of these huge brands have good values about them they're not going to pick you up. It doesn't matter what your social media status is. Right. And, and, and let me just clear something up. There was a lot of times that I had to go to dinners or go out and do certain things that I absolutely didn't want to do. Uh, one of my good friends said, I know Mark would rather put a sharp stick in his eye than go out and do that. But I'm not talking about meeting someone or a meet and greet or putting time in. with a That's different. I mean, you have to be an adult and understand, like, what do I need to do? You may have to go somewhere that you don't want to go. That's very possible. But be an adult. You don't have to go and make some connect with people till 4 a.m. 
Like that's a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Part of my language, but that that that's really not what it is. Um, go ahead, Sean. No, and it's it's like like you were saying. There's a huge difference in it maybe being like a one-time thing or a special event that you had to go to, and it becoming a lifestyle and part of your identity. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference there. Right. Right. And you know some some of these uh, bigger brands. I'll just tell a quick, quick story. I've told the story many times. I, I feel I need to tell it again. I've trained uh, hundreds of at pro athletes, and I remember having one very specific conversation with an NFL receiver who was really, really good. And he said, hey, Mark, does it matter if uh, I eat a Big Mac? Because I don't eat that healthy. And the guy was ripped. He was fast. He was incredible. Have you heard the story? No. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Having that one Big Mac doesn't really matter. And he said, well, that's cool. I said, well, tomorrow I got to go out with my girl and I have to uh, do something. I'm not going to do the recovery pool work. And this was all these are all separate occasions, by the way. And he he asked me if it really mattered. And I said, well, if you miss, you know, that work, it's not going to kill you. But, you know, you're supposed to get in. It's going to help you recover and put you in a position to be successful for the next training session. Because in training, all we're trying to do is recover so we can repeat great effort. That's what it is. And I told him it wouldn't matter as much. And then he said, you know, I'm not going to do uh, some of my sled work at the end of the training session. And he said, Mark, I worked really hard today and I feel really good. How much does it matter? And then one day we sat down and I said, look, you mentioned the sled work. You mentioned the pool work. You mentioned uh, how you eat. All those things are so important. I can't believe you don't understand that. And he said, I hear you, Mark. I really do. And I understand what you're getting at. But I'm already an all-pro receiver. Why do I need to do those things? And I said, that's interesting. It's, I'm usually not a great comeback guy. But in that moment, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. Bolt, excuse me, bolt of lightning. I said, you're an all-pro receiver now. You've been all-pro receiver for one year. Do you want to be an all-pro receiver for one year or two years or three years? Or do you want to be an all-pro receiver for the rest of your career? And do you want to be the greatest player that ever played your position in the history of the NFL? And he didn't say anything. He just looked at me. And I don't know if he made changes or not. I know that he didn't miss any more workouts or any more sled work. I don't know if he changed his eating, but I know that he went on to play. I don't know if he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but it's certainly something to think about. You may be at the top of your industry, but are you getting every ounce of potential out of your body and putting it into work and productivity to be, uh, to be, I hate to say the term again, but be all you can be, man, in all seriousness. Be all you can be because there's so much out there. Don't convince yourself that, no, I got to do this and, you know, that's not for me. You got to do it all, man. I, I love to tell you, being a trainer is chaos, man. They're not chaos because you're not managing your time well, not because you're, uh, unorganized, not because there's, you're, you're trying to focus on too many things. You got to focus on like programming and learning and doing better. I ask a trainer, one of the first things I ask a trainer when they apply is, when was the last time you attended a continuing education course? And they say, well, you know, I've been really focusing on clients and trying to make money. And I always say, dude, I hear you, but we, our trainers have attend four to five, six, seven, eight, continuing education courses a year if you do that in 10 years that's 80 80 different certs 
And search doesn't make you a great trainer. What it makes you a person, it makes you a person that's experienced and understands different things. If you're out at a club till 3 a.m., 4 a.m., dude, I got news for you. You don't want to compete with me. Seriously, because I've done two clients. Um, I'm learning. I'm editing. I'm reading. I'm trying to absorb things. I'm practicing things. I'm seeing things. I'm trying them out. I'm trying to see how I can apply them to my clients. I'm doing a podcast. I'm connecting with fitness and strength and conditioning professionals from all over the world. Yeah, I'm learning. Uh, I'm doing every single thing possible. And I promise you, when you're up, I'm focusing on something that's important that's going to make me better. I'm traveling across the country. And I've been doing that for years. There's pe- years. Like, I, I've been, people thought I was crazy because I paid putting my last money from professional football into traveling all, all over the world just to sit in and listen to strength coaches and just sit there and be a fly on the wall and understand what the heck they're doing and why they're doing it. So, it's one thing to YouTube it and to listen to a podcast. Listen to this podcast. But it's another <laughs> thing to experience the hell out of it and commit your time and money. I'm going to certification. It cost me uh, $1,250, $1,250. The flight costs $500. The hotel costs $400. That's two grand in for one certification. And I don't have a ton of money to blow on continuing education. But I know that's going to move me to the front of the line. And if I'm moving to the front of the line and you're not doing anything, you don't have a chance. Yeah, that's my one of my biggest pet peeves and frustrations is seeing untapped potential. So whether it be with, you know, somebody in the industry, a business, or even a client, you know, it gets so frustrating sometimes whenever you can see it and they can't see it and you want it more than them. You just, you just want to shake them. Like, what are you doing? Do you realize what you're capable of? You know, do you realize that this weight would drop if you would just do this? Do you realize your business would improve if you just did this? You know, do you realize you would get more clients if you would just do this? And being able to you know, recognize that and self-assess, we talk about that here all the time, the ability to self-assess is what's going to distinguish you and make you better at what you do. But that untapped potential is just so frustrating to see get lost. Right, right, absolutely. And... You know, I, I, I know I went to a uh, Sornex Summer Strong seminar, which was incredible. Shout out to Sornex. They make great equipment and uh, really great people. It was one of the best I've ever been to. Um, you know, as I'm sitting there, I'm listening. I'm listening to Olympic athletes, gold medal athletes, some of the best strength coaches in the world, in the country, and sports scientists. It was just incredible. Carl Dietz, uh, Cal Dietz. And um, I'm thinking, looking around the room, there was... 18-year-old kids there. There was a longtime strength coach from, from South Carolina who was in his late 60s. He was in the front taking notes. And if you don't think that guy had experience, I think he had like 45 seasons of uh, pre-fall uh, season baseball, football, basketball. And this guy was taking notes like he was 19 years old. So if you're teaching other trainers, if you're educating, if you're smart as a whip, that's amazing. I congratulate you for it. I think that that's a huge, huge uh, accomplishment. But you need to go out and learn from others, man. Really. You know, uh, learning from a guy like Cal Dietz, I felt like I knew nothing. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, you have to invest your time. And it has to be incredibly important. Um, all right, let's, let's move forward. Do you have any more thoughts on that, Sean? Uh, we could talk about this for yeah. a long time, but okay. we could talk. <laughs> All right. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on 
working on a team. Okay, uh, here we have a, uh, I, th I believe, I hope I'm not delusional, a pretty uh, strong uh, team culture. What are your thoughts on working on a team? The two types of people in this world, the people who love to work solo and the people who work on a team. And I firmly believe, and I said it before, the people who enjoy working solo for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, they haven't found people that they vibe with. Or, and they haven't, they don't understand the great return on investment that comes with working with a team. Because working with a team, it's not easy. There's been tons of employees that are hard to manage that I'm like, man, I, I got to let this person go. But I'm like, you know what? That's the easy way out. Let me stick with it. Let me try to develop them. Let me try to understand why they feel that way. And let me try to make this better. I said it before. I don't hire people just to fire them. I hire people to develop them and give them something that I think they could use. And I'm not saying that I know everything because I certainly don't. But I want to try to develop them to the best of their ability and get them out of their shell and not just cash in and give up on them because it's easy to fire people, man. It's hard to assist people, develop people, and make them even better than when they came in. If they came in, great. Yeah, so, so just speaking on our team for just a second, I would put us against anyone in the world. I, I, I joke around and say it, we're like the Navy SEALs of fitness. We're a small team, but we can do a lot of damage with just a few people that we have. Damage um, being a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, positive, positive thing. Um, each one of us has kind of like our own unique, special sets and skills, but together we're, we're an unstoppable force. So we do have an incredible team here. But so, my, so growing up, like I said, I didn't really play sports. I, I was on the team, but I was not a good athlete at all. I, I was, it was kind of just honestly a joke. Like the coach would just let me kind of be the, be the nice bench warmer guy. But where I first got exposed to it and where it completely shifted for me was when I was a firefighter. So that is not just a team, it's a brotherhood. So you, ha you live with those guys for, you know, 24 hours at a time. So if you've worked there for three years, you've literally lived one full year with them with no breaks. And so you get to bond and, and become very, very close where, where it is a brotherhood. And it's extremely, extremely tight because like I said, you have to rely on those. It's not like, oh, I hope, you know, they show up to work on time. It's no, I hope that they're willing to, to sacrifice themselves for me. I remember after your rookie year, there's always like a big celebration uh, dinner and everything. And you have to sit across the families of the crews that you're going to be working with and tell them that you are willing to sacrifice yourself to perfect, you know, protect their significant other. Like that, if you're at that point in a team, like you're 100% all in because I know they've got my back and they know that I've got their back. Um, and then, uh, so that, that was an incredible experience and, and that showed me the importance of, of the team. Then I went out on my own and I had my own business and I, I, I guess you could say we had a team because it was my wife and I, and we would start bringing on staff, but I felt like I was doing it all myself. And I was almost too afraid to give things away. And I thought that I could do it on my own, but that I think ultimately led to, you know, the, the unsuccess of the last industry of the last facility I owned because I wasn't willing to work with others. And I tried to do it all myself. And I think that's one of the big reasons why, why it didn't work. And then coming here, this, the team that we have here, like I said, we're the Navy SEALs of fitness. I, the closest thing I can relate it to, it's like the, the, the brotherhood on the fire department. I 100% know that I can rely on everybody that I work with to, you know, take care of me and help each other out. Like it's, 
until somebody comes here and experiences it and they really can't truly experience it until they're one of us. Um, just looking at it doesn't, doesn't do it justice. It is extremely special. And um, the culture that's here and the team that we have in place here truly does care about each other and wants each other to be extremely successful at whatever they do. Right, absolutely. Um, we certainly have a special team here. Thank you for your kind words and thank you for being a part of the team. Okay, uh, thank you very much for your thoughts on team. These are like speed roundish type things and uh, you know, you can give me one word answer, we go through fairly quickly or you can uh, elaborate a little bit, not too much because we have a lot of questions here, but three qualities that best describe you. Positive, energy, and family man. Family man, I think that's uh, all incredibly accurate. Favorite hobby? Uh, video editing. Video editing. Like this videography, yeah. That's right. Favorite restaurant? <laughs> so my restaurant experience in Miami, we have all these amazing restaurants here, and our, we eat at two places as a family because we have little kids, and we don't want to take them to any place where they're going to be throwing food on the floor. But we eat BurgerFi. I saw that picture. <laughs> every, that was serious. Every Friday, which to me, it's more. that's a whole deeper story, but it's more than just the burgers. That's the one first meal of the week where we get to sit down as a family, and it's more about just the time that we have together. And then uh, Nayara. So I'll go with Nayara because I love Chef B. Chef B. Shout out to <laughs> Chef B. Uh, favorite food? Hamburgers. Favorite cheat food? Hamburgers. Of course. Well, cheat meal, then you add the cheat. ice cream on top of it. Okay. On top of the burger? Please, <laughs> well, please tell wait, me separate. No, no, no. Separate, separate. But in addition to. Thank goodness. And I'll be, I don't know if you have the, an answer for the next one. Sports team. Favorite sports team? I don't have a favorite sports team, so I'm going to say the Tulsa Oilers because that's the pro hockey team I was the strength conditioning coach for. Okay, perfect. Favorite athlete? Sidney Crosby. Yeah, huh? he just won. Yeah. Man, how many has he won? At least two. I mean, at least three. I know he's been – he got drafted in 2005. Right. Um, he's had a great career, and he's, what, 34 or something? Uh, yeah, he's born in 87. Yeah, 30. Man, it's amazing what he's got left. He should be an actor or something. <laughs> uh, favorite actor? Favorite actor? Ooh, that's going to be either uh, Will Smith or Matt Damon. Nice. Matt Damon, he's a special one. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? I love the Oceans movies. It's got Matt Damon in yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. Just movie. funny movies. Okay. Favorite TV show? The I don't watch TV. I'll say that, but it's an old TV show. It's The Office. Yeah, it's a great. That was great. Steve, Steve, <laughs> Steve Carell. Steve Carell is hilarious. He is awesome. Favorite subject uh, growing up? Science. Science. A common answer on this show. <laughs> uh, Favorite book? Ooh, the one that I would say was the biggest, like, one of us, uh, there's several books. I love to read whenever I get time, but Time Management Magic by Lee Cockrell. Okay. That, that's a great reference right there. I think Eric Story already ordered the book, <laughs> as you said it. He consumes information as well. He's a machine. Um... Uh, give me a second. Favorite quote? Whether you think you can or not, you're correct. Perfect. Uh, give me one or two people that absolutely uh, 
that someone that, that our fans and listeners must absolutely follow uh, online um, on social media social media well of course anatomy at 1220 and Sean Garner and Mark Megna the- <laughs> Outside of us. <laughs> Outside of those, um, all the staff here, uh, if, if you want good quality training information and that you know is going to come from a good sound source, any of the trainers that we have here on staff, everything that you know that they're going to be posting is going to be smart, safe, scientific, and it's not, you know, just the exercises for uh, the crazy Instagram profiles. But um, I'm a big fan of Mike Boyle, Greg Cook, Eric Cressy, uh, Tony Gittlecore, Ben Bruno, um, Brett Contreras, those guys. I mean, that's all solid information right there. If you're looking for just good, sound, scientific information. Mentor. Well, I know you don't want to like brag on you, <laughs> Mark Magna. One, I, of, one, one of the that's the whenever I came here to Miami, you are the reason I came here is because my experience in the fitness industry had been all self-taught. And so I was looking for somebody to kind of mentor me and bring me up and show me all the things that I was missing because just because I had had my own facility, I had no clue what I was doing. And I've learned so much just in the past, you know, 10 months that I've been here. But I've been extremely fortunate to have always been surrounded around amazing people that are always there to kind of fill voids in my life. I've never I've never been the smartest person in the room, but I've had, I feel like, some of the best connections with, with people that are a lot smarter than me. Fair enough. Thank you. Um, if you could put one phrase or word on a billboard that the world would see, what would it be? What's your tea or what's your truth? What's your truth? Interesting. If you want to plug something, let's plug something. What would you like to plug other than Anatomy at 1220 and Sean Garner's vlog? Of course, youtube.com slash Sean Garner. But no, um, no, I, I uh, that that would be the best way to kind of follow me and hang out with me. I work with a lot of brands: Men's Health Magazine, Vibram Shoes, uh, Fitner. It's an app to follow my daily workouts on. Um, Clyde from Fit Fixins. Like, there's a lot of brands I, I've been fortunate to to work with. Um, but the, but that's the biggest thing. Follow me so, social media because I'm doing a lot of cool, crazy stuff coming up. I'm hopefully getting ready to have a website come out soon uh, with some of our friends from from today's business and today's athletes. So, yeah. YouTube.com slash Sean Garner and Instagram at Sean Garner. Come see what we're doing. Awesome. So what would you like to leave us with? Some advice uh, for the people of the world out there. Just give us one tip. uh, So they're following their dreams. They're doing the best they can. The Magnum Method is about doing your very best, reaching your your uh, maximum potential, and just giving uh, everything you can uh, to be the very best you could be. What advice would you give the world? Last thing. Be consistent, never give up, and create. So be consistent. Whatever you set out to do, do it consistently every single day, whether you feel like it or not. It's time to go to work and do it Um, and and create. I think, obviously, we want people to listen to the Magna Method podcast, but I think a lot of times people spend too much time consuming information and not exploring and expressing the information that they've learned. So taking, all the, taking in all this information is great, but if you never apply it and use it, you're never going to reach those goals that you have set out to do. Right. Absolutely. That's great information, great advice. Thank you, Sean. Listen, the Magna Method show um, is no longer young. We've had uh, many, many guests on the show from 
uh, athletes to sports team owners to trainers to uh, uh, financial uh, people you know honestly everyone the content on this show is free my only mission is try to make the world a better place and help develop people to be the very best they could be so that being said please share the show with a friend leave a leave a comment leave some feedback i know it can be better i want to be better um, i want to hear your truth and i if you have questions you can uh, email them to me at uh, mark magna at anatomy at 1220.com mark magna at anatomy at 1220.com we'll answer we'll do q a's uh, uh frequently and share this with a friend uh, if someone's in the fitness space wellness space strength and conditioning and it doesn't have to be just that and this show is for everyone these skills and this advice is going to help you day to day it's going to help you with your work it's going to help you with your family and relationships thank you for listening i hope you have a positive and productive day dream big never quit thanks for being on the show show sean thank you